the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A new low in the gun control discussion, and then a new president in the SBC. How do we know God's will, and later, why in-person church will never go out of style? You're listening to The Common Good. Everybody, welcome to the Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, otherwise known as <gasps> Hump Day. Hump Day, it is. This is maybe you've taught me a few things along the way, Brian, this and I feel like best. Hump Day is the best. It it far surpasses them all. You're so, welcome. So thank you. <laughs> and and you showed me the commercial with the camel, where it comes from. Yes, and so now that's all I can think of. So you've just bettered my life. So I appreciate you, Brian. You're, thank if, you for. If this. that is all that I've added to your life, you are welcome. <laughs> it's a steamy day out there again. Hopefully you're having a great summer day. All right, Aubrey, I've got to start this uh, today with a story. Okay, let's hear it. Because I had a moment as a pastor last night uh, that I think you're going to find funny, but also I want you to put yourself in my shoes. Okay. I have an elder meeting last night. Okay. So uh, I'm at another meeting at a Starbucks, and then I got to get to my elder meeting. So I'm okay. I'm driving down Lamont Road, which is what our church is on in yep. kind of Downers Grove, Darien. Four Corners Church. Four Corners Community Church. Community and, Church. And I... And I uh, I pass a police officer, but he's just going the other way. I'm going this way. Yeah. I turn into our we, our churches in a warehouse complex. I turn into the warehouse. I park, and what is behind me but a police officer <gasps> with no! his lights on. No, what happened? Aubrey, I got pulled over <gasps> in my own church parking lot. No, you didn't. And then, Did you tell him you were the pastor of the church? Oh, so he comes up to my car, and he says, hey, you're going a little quick. Uh-oh. And I go, I'm really sorry. I said, how fast was I going? He goes, oh, 55, and it's 40 out okay. there. I'm like, okay. I'm like, yep. In my mind, I'm like, I don't know it was 40 out there. Right. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just running a little late for the, for the meeting at the church here where I pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. But what did he say? He just took my license and stuff, and then he, he let me off on a warning. Yes. But okay. he was like, hey, just slow down. I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, officer. Yeah. But the worst part of it is. Everybody else came for the meeting. Everybody saw. Everybody saw. And you know, the police don't turn off their lights. So he's behind. I'm driving the family van, too. So he's behind my van in the church parking lot with the lights going. As everybody's pulling in for the elder meeting. As the elders are all getting this out and looking at me. And fantastic I'm like, story. it's not like I can get out, right? You can't get out of no, your car you while the police you are can't. looking at license and register or oh, license and no. insurance. And so I went in and they were all like. What'd you do? What I said, happened? I got a warning. I'm good. <laughs> so yes, I pulled the pastor card. Yeah, I would have too. Uh, I had to walk. I had to sit. Can you imagine sitting in your church parking lot with? Uh, I know you guys. Can you imagine on Sunday morning and people are just rolling in and you're like, "Hello, everybody. Hey, it's your pastor Brian. Just, just ignore me right now. I'm it sure your elders was like." What's going on? We got to make a plan. They probably panicked for just a minute. I don't think they did. I think oh, they all were fully aware that I probably that was driving too fast. That is and so, the funny so thing is funny. I drive that road every day. And if you had asked me how fast it was, I would have guessed 50. 
it's a pretty big road. Well, now you He's know. He's like, it's 55 and a 40. I almost went, 40? <laughs> 40? It's not 40. I drive here all the time. Why is it 40? So, yes. Oh, well. And, but you know that feeling. Well done getting a warning. You know that feeling when the when the um, – uh, when the police lights are on behind you, it is oh, like the it's most horrible. Oh, it's just awful. You just like buckle inside. And I'm on a yeah. Really good streak of not getting tickets right now. Oh, don't say it out loud. Like I'm afraid to say it out loud because I'm afraid the streak's gonna break. So when I was in college, yeah. Uh, so I would drive from Wheaton back to where I lived in New Jersey. So okay. I would I would drive. You know that that road trip is Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New yep. Jersey. Yep. Uh, in the span of I believe it was. Two or three years, I got a ticket in every one of those states. No, you didn't. As well as upstate New York and Georgia <laughs> on spring break. Come on. Are you serious? Oh, wow. So you are on a good streak right now. Wow. And I don't think I've gotten a ticket since then. Now I'm a pretty slow driver. Yeah. So that all freaked me out. Yeah. Back then, I was a dumb college kid. Like, I'm going to fly. <laughs> got to get home. I, you know, I'm trying to get back to yeah. New Jersey or back to Wheaton. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that I'm is, on my street okay. continues. Okay, well done, sir. But well if done. you're a pastor out there, I would suggest not getting pulled over in yeah. your church yeah. parking lot, whether it's a prayer meeting night, right. it's an elder meeting, Although it's it, Sunday morning. I do morning. think it worked in your favor to be like, I'm here to, we're at the church where I pastor. Because I do think the cop at that point is going to be like, oh, I'm not messing with God. Yeah. Like, if I give this pastor a a ticket on his church property like that's a problem so i think it did work in your favor in the end i I would like to that plus my boy's charm i would like to think (laughs) that both of those okay i know we have other things to talk about but can i tell you a quick story this is a follow-up to something from monday remember i came in monday i was complaining about the dog on my airplane trip this dog was yipping yapping the entire trip two and a half hours very annoying I got a one hundred and fifty dollar voucher from Southwest Airlines yesterday. Uh, congratulations! Thank told you. My wife it was the, worth it. I told my wife the story, yeah, and uh, and she was she was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Although she did tell me, apparently, she said it's a thing if your dog's small enough and it can fit in a carrier underneath the seat oh, in front of okay. you, you're allowed to bring it. But I was like, oh, "Okay." She that was not her saying that she yeah agreed. right. She was like, "That's the worst." So, yeah. but she was happy to hear. I did tell her yeah. that you got the voucher. So. Yeah, that made it all worth it. I would do it again for that voucher because yes. now I can go on another trip. There you go. Well, hundred fifty bucks, maybe maybe to Milwaukee uh, or something. half half trip. Yeah, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy that flight to India or something. <laughs> All right, Aubrey, every now and then I like to play audio to make you angry. <laughs> Thank you, I am Brian. going to do this. I, 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 uh, here it is. Uh, let me set up. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert out of uh, Colorado. Yes. I'm going to. Controversial. I'm a, yeah, controversial is a really nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I, I think most people see her as a bit of a caricature, um, a bit of a, I don't think there's a lot of respect for her. Okay, we'll yes. leave it at that. Yeah. With that said, she also knows um, her stick is very pro-gun, very, all of it, all, yeah. all of the yeah. far-right stuff. Yeah. Well, she was speaking in a church. I can't, I couldn't figure out if this was in a church as in like a Sunday morning or a church was hosting a conference of some sort, but she was speaking in a church. And uh, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and think that she's making a really bad joke here. Okay. Ready for it? I don't know if I'm ready, but I'll listen. It's a very short clip. Let's okay. play what Lauren Boebert said in this church. On Twitter, a lot of the the little Twitter trolls, they like to say, oh, Jesus didn't need an AR-15. How, how many AR-15s do you think Jesus would have had? Well, he didn't have enough to keep his government from killing him. So... Please respond. I, <laughs> I mean, it's so 
like um vomitous. Like it is one deeply sacrilegious. Yes. Two zero understanding of the message of Christianity and Jesus Christ Himself. Laying down three, his life for his friends. Right. <laughs> like uh, of three, his own volition. Three just a really bad, like in poor taste joke yes. for just like kind of a bad joke period. Mm-hmm. And five, like n- n- not the way to promote your pro uh your your pro gun agenda. I don't know. Probably I don't I don't like crowd it. crowd it might have been, but it does highlight for me, besides I wanted to play it for you because it's cringeworthy, but it does highlight the lengths that some people, you and I have discussed, I am not a gun person. I did not grow up around guns. I don't understand the fascination, particularly with the AR-15 and all of this. Yeah. But to to go at it, even in a joking way, to go at it from, from that level, oh, if Jesus had an AR-15, he wouldn't have been hung on a cross, is like, like you said, terribly sacrilegious. Yeah, yeah. A lack of understanding of who Jesus is. But I do think it's a window into... Hey, here's how we could get these Christians to be pro-gun. I don't know. It's I, gross. I heard that and I thought two gross. things. Gross and sacrilegious. And I thought to myself, cannot wait to play that for Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for making my hump day with that. Yeah. There you I, go. Just, you, I don't know. Some things I think go too far. And what I think what was almost more disturbing, though, like, okay, politicians are what they are. The folks in the church, the laughing, committee meeting, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, is this a group of Christians clapping over that? Hopefully not. Hopefully it was just some and let us a re- weird rally. Let us remind one another that Jesus laid down his life. That is the beauty of the gospel. <laughs> Thank he you. Laid he down, laid intentionally, uh, in, uh, in, willfully. Of his own volition. Yes, yes he yes. did. And uh, AR-15, a lack of an AR-15 was not the reason he ended up right. on a cross. Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, there was a real tragedy in the – in. Oh, it's a national uh, – he's a national figure, but yeah. particularly in Illinois. Uh, congressman Sean Caston, he is actually my congr- – he's your congressman uh-huh. too, he right? Is. Yep. Uh, he is in the U.S. House of Representatives, and the other day – uh, tragically, Sean Caston's 17-year-old daughter, Gwen Caston, uh, died in her sleep. Uh, oh, it's so awful. As is appropriate and expected. No details have come yeah. out. I think people should not be looking for details. Right, but right. Uh, your heart breaks mm. for, you know, I, I hate I even say this, regardless of your politics, your heart breaks for this dad, his wife. Absolutely. The younger daughter. Absolutely. Uh, it is just uh, it is just heartbreaking. Uh, uh, a that, nightmare. That she died. So, yeah, nightmare. Uh, but let me, I told you, I teased this earlier, that this has a little bit of a personal side to it. Gwen Caston actually just graduated from Downers North with my daughter. <gasps> and so uh, Madeline was friends with her, not great friends yeah, with her. Yeah, but they, in... They knew each other. They at one point played tennis together, like on a tennis team. I think in one class, she sat next to her. And so it's been a little strange. Madeline has other friends who were a lot better friends. I don't want to be that guy who's like, my daughter was Right, right, right. She was friendly, friends with her. Yeah. But some of my daughter's best friends were really good friends with her. Yeah. So So there's a connection. Yeah. So they just graduated uh, two weeks ago, Mm. three weeks ago. Uh, Gwen Caston was getting ready to go to college like everyone else. Um, and nobody really knows what happened, but she went to sleep the other night and didn't wake up. Oh, this is such a nightmare. And so it's been a little weird to see it all over the national news right now. Because you actually have that personal connection. It's our t- they live in our town, obviously, Downers yeah. Grove. And mm. she just graduated with my daughter. Mm. Um, 
And my daughter, it's been interesting, not even interesting. It's been, it's been, this is the, here, I'll put it this way. And then I want to talk to you about this. Yeah. This is the closest mm. person yeah. uh, that my daughter has ever had die close. And to. so young yeah. too. I mean, they had somebody else in their class die this year I in, remember a, in that. an auto accident, mm-hmm. but that was more of an acquaintance to my daughter. Mm-hmm. We've had, you know, great grandparents die. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, that's different. It is. Um, mm. And so it's been interesting to try to help her process this, and she's Gosh. doing okay. But uh, again, I don't, I, I don't want to paint a picture like make this about my daughter. It's much more about this family, but also about people who were much closer to her. Um, but there were lots of tears. I'm sure lots there were. of you know this doesn't make any right. sense. Right, so many questions. So you've probably seen the story. You've said you've seen uh, Congressman Caston in your city in you your know, town. Yeah, you've probably again, seen it. Yeah, he's ve- he's a very personable. Like we well, actually, Catherine McNeil, who's who's been a guest co-host on the show before and a guest on the show before. Um, Sean Caston would regularly visit her son's uh, lemonade stand in their front house, just walking <laughs> through West Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, and and he, I, he's very well liked in our town. Like known at the schools, known. Um, by our neighbors, like just a genuine good guy. And even if he wasn't correct, I mean, this, this is a parent's nightmare. This Uh, is absolutely awful. And to think at any age, this happened is horrible, but to think that she just graduated and was like kind of on track to begin her future. um, I just, my heart breaks for them. And even for your daughter, Madeline and her peers who are having to bear witness to someone dying so young and so unexpectedly, it's, it's just, I mean, this is just one of those hard things that you can't really wrap your mind around. Yeah. Even one of Sean Caston, they pulled it, but the last he's in a primary, he's in an election that's happening in two weeks, a democratic primary. Mm. uh, And his last ad was the entire ad was her talking about her excitement to oh, be 18 years old now to be able gosh. to vote for her dad. Oh, And gosh. you're just like, oh, uh, my goodness. So a real tragedy. I would encourage people out there to be praying for this family. Uh, it's all over the news right mm. now, and you'll see it. But, Aubrey, let me get pastoral here. Or No, not even pastoral. Let me talk to you as a parent. Okay. Uh, mm. Trying to help people process. You even said this doesn't make sense. This is such a tragedy. Let's talk pastorally and as a pastor. What do you say to your child? What do you say to the parishioner in your church who yeah. just goes, what kind of God, where's God in this? Yeah. Right? A 17-year-old right. Right. Uh, who had you know, her whole life right. ahead of her, right. you know, this family's now broken, all of this stuff. How do we uh, process tragedy like this or whatever the tragedy is that other people are facing right now? What what are the words that we even can share with people? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think this is one of the things where in in one sense for a time, silence is what you share with people. Yeah. Grief is what you share with people. And just like saying to your daughter, saying to your parishioner, saying to whoever, like, yeah, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. And, and let that be what it is. I mean, there's really no way to wrap this up and make it... Uh, packageable, manageable for people. Like, you just can't. You just have to, I think, like, there's that famous line from King Lear, like, speak the weight of this sad time. And mm. that's what you have to do. Um, I I do think there comes a time when people are ready to talk about the reality of evil in this world mm. and to talk about the reality that even though there is evil in this world, like, we do have, I think, a false idea that... um God and Satan are 
like yin and yang, like equally balanced mm. in this cosmic battle. And it can feel like that in times like these. Like, well, it seems like the enemy has a lot more authority than he should. But what we, I think we do have to remember and cling to in seasons like this is the message of our faith, which is that one, God is near to the brokenhearted. And so somehow God is in this. And that one day there will be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. But it is an act of faith. I mean, this is what I feel like you and I keep coming back to. It's an act of faith to cling to that hope. And it's not a false hope. I mean, it's a deep hope, but it's to cling to it when it doesn't make sense to do so. Yeah. What do you think? I think you're I, I like the call because I always want to jump to the answer. Yeah. Right. I always want to yeah. jump to. Uh, let's quickly try to explain this or give, but I think letting it be a tragedy, letting these tragedies and the brokenness of this world be what they are like without explanate, without trying to explain them away. And then I think uh, the, when someone is ready to have the conversation, right. When my daughter's ready to talk about it or when the, you know, the person out there who's going through an incredible loss right now is ready to talk about it. I do think the conversation turns to, Yes, the already not yet, right? The brokenness of this world, yep. but the victory of Christ. Yeah. And I do like how you put that. Like you think they're the yin. And, oh, Satan must have won this right, one. Right. Uh, God, God was got, right. God got caught like flat footed and didn't know what was happening. And now this girl lost her life or whatever. But no, uh, God is good. Yes. God is in control. Yep. And through Jesus, he is victorious. And these types of things are not ultimately the reality. Um, but then fortunately they are the reality now. Yeah. And let me let, you know what, but, but we still trust God. Like I think there's this, there's this interesting, I think it's the book of Zechariah. There's, it's, there's like 12 visions and there's this one vision where, um, uh, it's like a court scene and God says, Satan is trying to accuse Joshua actually in the vision and Satan says, be quiet, stop accusing him. I've chosen him. And then Satan's gone. And what we mm. get from that image is that though Satan does come after us, does accuse, does attack, nothing is outside of like, it all happens Good. in God's court. It all happens in God's authority, under God's authority and with God's permission, not permission. I don't even know if I like to use that language, but the idea is that like, like going back to what I was saying and what you were saying, they're not equally matched nothing is outside of god's purview outside of what god allows and yet the hard question is then why yeah and that's where we can't necessarily like we don't always get a firm answer to our questions of why in times of suffering what we do get is god's comfort and god's presence and a peace that passes all understanding amen amen so be praying for that family the casting family And yeah. uh, I, in, an undis- indescribable tragedy and an imagine. indescribable yeah. loss. But be praying for that family uh, and, you know, selfishly from my perspective, for her friends and the yeah, people absolutely. who went through it. Absolutely. So uh, a, certainly a tragedy, but we can trust that God is good. Aubrey, you and I have been talking about the Southern Baptist Convention that's going on right now. And it's interesting because it's super important. Yep. You want to understand what's happening here. It's the largest Protestant denomination that uh, in our country. Mm-hmm. So it's it matters. But you and I also are not Southern Baptists. So it's right. sometimes <laughs> it feels like you're watching a family meeting 
a family fight. You're like a voyeur watching it. Yep. It's very strange. And yes. If you want to be a voyeur to it, I would encourage you to follow Bob Smetana on Twitter, mm-hmm. who's basically live tweeting the yeah. convention. <laughs> he really is. He's a great follow this time of year. So yesterday was the big moment that you and I had teased earlier in the week mm-hmm. that they were electing a new president. Yep. Uh, and, and so um, the new president was basically coming down to uh, Bart Barber. Uh, and he was much more kind of the uh, moderate. Moderate. That's the yeah. word I'm actually yeah. looking for. Yeah. Uh, or it was coming down between him and a Florida pastor named Tom Askell. Uh, and Askell was much more the conservative, yes. the conservative Baptist network guy. Yeah. Uh, and he was the vocal critic of what he considers, quote, a liberal drift in the Southern Baptist Convention. And so. The way we talked about it the other day, Aubrey, was like this was in some ways more than a presidential election as much as it was um, a fork in the road. Yeah, for the yeah, this. kind of a kind of a state of the union election, like just to see where the majority of the Southern Baptists were aligned. Are they a little more moderate? Are they wanting to go more conservative? We see that they chose the majority chose this more moderate president. But I think the question that you and I were asking and will be interesting to see is then does this conservative Baptist network yes. almost become its own denomination? Like will a split come from here? That's right. It will be uh, – there, there could be some fascinating moves to hear. So Bart Barber uh, won in a runoff election. So you need to get 50 percent and there were more people on the ballot. So yeah. nobody got 50 percent. And so the top two – then go off into a runoff election. Not surprisingly, it was Bart Barber and Tom Askell. Yeah. And Barber received 61% of the votes in the second round of voting uh, on Tuesday evening, therefore defeating Tom Askell relatively handily in the runoff election. And he is now the president. Barber succeeds Alabama Pastor Ed Litton, uh, who chose not to pursue a second one-year term. Yeah. Uh, Litton, you might remember, succeeded J.D. Greer. And so they... There's now a track record of more moderates, and yeah. so I think that's what you said. Yeah. I do believe that uh, that the more conservative side might kind of take a stand here and say that's what I'm uh, so curious kind about. Of moving. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? What does it say though that the more moderate guy won and ended up winning somewhat handily? Yeah, I. I mean, this is going to show you where I stand, obviously. Like, I'm coming to this with my perspective, which I... I mean, probably most people think they're moderate, right? You know what I mean? But I I would say, for me, this is hopeful because I tend to not be able to connect with the really, really conservative... uh, Because it feels like they're more like, we're against this, we're against this, we need to be. And and a lot of it ends up to me feeling like we need to be patriarchal, we need to not talk about race, we need to, stuff that I just don't think is biblical. And so I'm thankful that they're moving towards a direction that feels like it's going to still stay biblical, still stay faithful, but open to conversations that need to happen right right. now in this day and age. So I think... This to me is a hopeful sign because I know the other thing we were talking about is sort of like where the SBC goes, goes the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate seeing that the majority is still on the more moderate side of things. Yeah, it, it also becomes very much what what the media kind of describes evangelicalism as a whole often is taken from yeah. the Southern Baptist Church. Right, and right. All of these things. So right. that's where they go. Uh, a, a, a dramatic and fascinating moment happened, though, as – uh, a surprise um, speaker came not to the lecture, but to so think about the convention. Do you remember that office scene where they were having um, in the in the office? Uh, 
they were having the shareholders meeting and they had microphones in the aisles that people could go speak. Yes, well, that's the way, yes, in yes. some ways, the Southern Baptist Convention worked. Mm-hmm. You can get up and propose something or ask a question or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, who who got up to one of the microphones yesterday to share his thoughts but Pastor Rick Warren? I mean, I I feel like, did, did people know this was happening or was this a surprise? I think it was a surprise. And so that's cool. Uh, there was actually, it didn't end up happening. There was actually somewhat of a motion or a discussion at least about, uh, quote unquote, expelling Saddleback from the Southern Baptist yeah, Convention yeah. Um, over their ordination of women mm-hmm. last year. And um, that did, that also failed. But then Rick Warren got up. And he's very Rick Warren-y. Very, uh, and of course, this comes with controversy. There are people who don't like him, who think he's been bad for the ch- – I am not one of those people. Right, He's right. on our station. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a big Rick Again, Warren Again, track record of both suffering and faithfulness. Yeah. You can't uh, – there's not a lot you can fight back with about that. Anyway, so go ahead. I want to play – he spoke for five minutes or so. Yeah. But I – talk about a guy who can captivate a room. Mm. Just absolutely. Mm. Uh, but I want you to listen to – he got up and he's talked about how he loves the Southern Baptist. It was a very unifying message. Yeah. Uh, as everyone knows, Rick Warren is about to retire as well, but a very unifying message. And so um, I want you to hear just a little snippet of what Rick Warren said. Okay. Let's listen to that. Are we going to keep bickering over secondary issues? Are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? We need to finish the task. He basically said this. Are we going to bicker over secondary mm. things? Or are we going to keep the yeah. main thing the main thing? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about what he said? And how do you think that was probably received in good ways and bad? Yeah, I mean, my guess is the people who agree with him were really happy. And the people who don't would say, well, these are main things. I mean, I think that's the hard I mean, that's part, it. right? Is like just because you say it's secondary doesn't mean other people say it's secondary. So he's going to like his echo chamber is going to agree with him. And those who are like, no, 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 these are main things are probably going to get more fired up. Like, why aren't you saying these issues are main things? So uh, I don't think he would have persuaded those who were already sort of bent against him. But I still think, I mean, I, I feel this way when you're in, even if like you're around a president of the United States that you don't agree with or didn't vote for there's still a sense of like, it's the president of the United States. I feel a little bit, I mean, this is maybe, a, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a terrible analogy, but like a pastor who's led that faithfully, that successfully, one of the largest churches in America and, and had a track record of integrity. He shows up, even if you disagree, I feel like there's a, there's a respect that is due yep. that type of pastor. And so if nothing else, I think, I hope people were like, this is amazing. Rick Warren is here and he's saying something, not even from the main stage, just like as one of us. I, I, I appreciate was, that. I do think it was pretty cool the way yeah. he just stood up there. Yeah. What about his concept of keeping the main thing, the main thing though? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think, what does unity look like? Mm. John 17, uh, yeah. but also, I mean, Paul necessarily in, in his writings wasn't going, oh, let's just all agree. To, no, you know, he let's wasn't. all just get along. What, what does keep the main thing the main yeah. thing look like for you? What's the, I'm, I'm actually looking this up right now from Augustine, that quote, like, in essentials unity and non-essentials. Charity? Liberty, charity, charity? something like that. I, I do feel like there's, there is something about, like, um, the the various creeds that we follow, the word of God, like those are the things we should be unified around and then keep our focus on making disciples who make disciples. Uh, And 
loving God, loving our neighbor. Like, I do think there's some real truth to that. Like, hey, church, let's get back to that. We've been so distracted. We've been so off mission. We've been so, there's been so much infighting and tearing down. And like, our look right now is not good. Uh, Getting back to the main thing, which I think is like going back to our mission and becoming people who are more and more like Jesus. Yes. I mean, I, I say, yes, let's do that. And even if we disagree on some of these secondary issues, can we continue to be people of unity and peace under the name of Jesus? Again, this is where I feel like I sound Pollyanna-ish, but I shouldn't feel that way. Like, that's what Jesus himself prayed for us. Absolutely. John 17, Jesus prays for the unity, and he says that this is going to be how basically the church knows that I sent you, or the world knows that I sent you, right? by the unity that you show. So big news out of the SBC, and of course, great words. Uh, from Rick Warren. Okay, Brian, I want to I want to uh, open the veil to my marriage uh, so and uh, talk about something Kevin and I are having a conversation about. Um, but then you know, talk to it uh, related to everybody. So um, one of the things that Kevin and I have been trying to talk about. There's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality mm-hmm. by Scazzaro. Peter Scazzaro. Yep. yep, yep. And there's a series of those books: Emotionally Healthy Leadership, Emotionally Healthy, blah blah blah. Like this is the that's the deal for the author. You will get mm. a book like that, and you just create Keep all the versions going. of it. You know. You know who took over for him in his church? No, I don't. Rich Viedas. Viodas. Oh, am I right about that? Okay, yes. I did not know that. Very cool. Like I like following Rich a lot. He's a great uh, social media follow um so one of the things that the emotionally healthy leader book talks about especially for people who are married is that you um ought to be discerning god's will for your life as a couple like how does god want you to serve out of your marriage not what's your calling on your life spouse Mm. what's your or husband what's your calling on your life wife now how do you make your schedules work to fit all that instead what has God like crafted and created your marriage Interesting. as a couple to be doing and serving for the kingdom of God? So Kevin and I are having that conversation because in a lot of ways, like we planted a church. He's the lead pastor. I'm part of the team at the church. Um, very, very involved. But also like I write and I have this show and like Kevin's going to go back to school. And uh, in a lot of ways, our lives are, of course, unified as a married couple, mm-hmm. but like we're not necessarily uh, we're not going in different directions in our vision. It's all in ministry, but I don't know that we're like together unified in how we're like moving mm. through this world for the kingdom of God. So we've been talking about that. Like, what would that look like? And um, interestingly, we were talking about Tim Challies yesterday on the show. That's right. I believe he had a beautiful, beautiful article about um, heaven. Yes. And uh, for those who are suffering on this earth, how much sweeter heaven will be. But I kind of noticed there was something about a month ago about keys to knowing God's will for your life. And this conversation Kevin and I are having, um, this kind of caught my eye because I think a lot of us, whether you're married, not married, it's a question we're all asking. God, what's your will for my life? God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, and we don't want to miss it. We don't want to, we want to be walking in God's will And um, sometimes I think we don't necessarily know how to discover that. Or sometimes I think God's will kind of looks like, hey, there's a 
there's a playground in your backyard. Go play on whatever equipment you want to. Mm. Like God's good with that. Um, but sometimes I think we want to know like exactly what God has for us. Yeah, like what's yeah. the, what's the plan? So anyway, interestingly, uh, looking at this article from Tim Challies, I wanted to read you a couple things. That'd be great. Of what uh, about what he says about God's will, and then I want to hear your thoughts on it, Brian. So he says that of all the things related to Christian living, few receive greater attention than knowing God's will for our lives. Many believers, younger ones, older ones, agonize over knowing what God means for them to do and how he means for them to live out their days. He says many live with hesitation, wondering if they've missed their divine direction and are now experiencing God's second best. Then he says some end up doing nothing for fear of doing the wrong thing. He says, it's my conviction that we're thinking wrongly about the matter of knowing God's will. It's not that God has no plan for you. It's not that he means for you to go without any kind of confidence that you're living a life that honors and pleases him. Rather, it's that God does not mean for you to pry back the curtain of his hidden will. Instead, God means for you to respond to the leading of his revealed will. Generally speaking, where scripture, providence, and desire converge, you can move forward confident that you're doing God's will. If there are multiple options that exist at that point of convergence, you can confidently choose any of them and Mm. trust that God will bless you. Then he always says that he also says that your greatest focus should be on whatever is plainly in his will right now, meaning you're not thinking about a year from now, a decade from now, but like right now, what's God doing in your life? That's God's will for you. Mm. So what do you think about that? Because that's kind of a different way like of it. considering I like it. the I will think, of God. I, I think we overanalyze this and we can become yeah. paralyzed, right? Like what is the exact thing God wants me to do five years from now mm-hmm. or right now? And I do think that there are very clear things in Scripture that we know we're called to do. Yeah, right? there are there are countless things, and so I think His revealed will, as Charlie's is talking about here, I think leaning into that mm-hmm. uh, is good. I like your playground imagery. Like I do think that we can do these things, and it, like when we talk about God's will, it's like what's the exact job God wants me to have, right? Or who's the exact spouse? Or right. What's the where exactly? You know, what's right. the exact house I'm supposed to buy? And I think that that misses it, and that kind of paralyzes us. Like, what if I get the job wrong? Yeah. What if I? Yeah. Um, you know, I I think we know that we are um, called to go and make disciples. We are called to mm-hmm. love our neighbor. We mm-hmm. do these things. And uh, thinking about God's will, I always like to go back to Romans twelve, right? Those famous verses where He says, "I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a mm-hmm. living sacrifice, holy and pleasing That's to great. God. This is your true and proper worship." Then He says. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the promise. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's good. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That renewing of your mind, right? As I'm in scripture, as I'm not conformed to this world, as I am in Christian community, all of this stuff. I I think the promise here is then you're going to know. You're going to know what Mm -hmm. you're called to do, who you're called to be. that's good. Uh, Instead of getting lost in the – we've all had those conversations with people like, what if I get it wrong? Mm -hmm. What if I don't – like, it feels like the promise here is like, no, that's not the way this works. I I do appreciate what Chad says. Yeah, I appreciate it too. Here's one more thing he says. He says, you've heard it said, I'm sure, that everybody wants to change the world, but no one wants to wash the dishes. (laughs) We tend to focus on the big matters to neglect of the small, yet life is lived in the moment and in the minutia. God's will is as granular as expressing love by telling your mother, let me do the dishes tonight, or expressing humility by approaching a friend to say, I need to apologize to you. It's going the extra mile to serve a cranky customer in approaching that person who is alone at the end of church service and sharing the gospel with a stranger in the moment when you absolutely know it's the right thing to do. 
It's as you learn to embrace God's will in the small stuff, you are preparing yourself to do it in the big. And then he says this, the fact is that life is a succession of days and days are a succession of moments. While you may not have utter utter clarity about what God means for you to do in a month, a year, or a decade, it's rarely difficult to discern what God mm-hmm. means for you to do right now. Yeah. I feel like that's so good. If you're faithful to do God's will in each moment, you'll eventually to you'll eventually do God's will over your lifetime. I think that's such a better way of looking at this concept than like, what if I miss it? What if I mess it up? Well, I think God's grace is bigger than that. Instead, what if you do like the next faithful thing, the next faithful thing, and soon you look back over your life and like you've excavated what your purpose is through that. I think that's a more graceful, generous view of who God is and what God has for us. I think that's good. I also think the question you and Kevin are asking is a challenging one. Yeah. What does it look like for us as a married couple to mm-hmm. become one for us to uh, – it doesn't mean we have to do the same yeah. thing. It doesn't mean like in my marriage, Carrie doesn't do this and right. I don't do this. But right. what? how do we stay unified and moving in the mm-hmm. same direction with some common goal? I, I think that's a great question. I yeah. think every couple needs to ask themselves yeah. that because you can start to drift. Mm-hmm. You do your thing. I'll do mine. And they can even be good things. Right. And all of a sudden you're like – yeah, it, it are, are we a unit here? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that question unfolds as we seek God's will together in the days to come. It's another excessively hot day out there, excessively. Brian. Excessively. It's so hot out there today. It's so hot. Milk was a bad choice. Oh, man. So yesterday I ended up taking my kids to the movies because I was like, we got to do something and it's got to be in the air conditioning. So we went to go see Jurassic, the new Jurassic Park movie. That was pretty fun. Was it a good movie? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, our our executive producer, Keith Conrad, who we love deeply, he called it. What did you say? It's not the Citizen Kane. the Citizen Kane of dinosaur movies. He's accurate about that. It's not. But it's a fun, you know, it's a fun summer blockbuster. Can, dinosaurs eat people. That's what you go for. Can I make a, a confession? Yeah. That I think I'm just realizing oh. now. Oh. I'm not sure I've ever seen Jurassic Park front, uh, start to finish. The first Jurassic Park? Any of them. Come on. I don't think I have. The, even the first one that was like in theaters when we were kids and it was like a big deal? Yeah. Yeah. This is... I don't think that made my top five list of movies I haven't seen that other everyone else Ryan, has. But I think that's a Where true were you of, during the whole Jurassic Park like craze back in the day? Usually prayer and fasting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're watching Hoosiers all I over feel and like over they're all kind of bad. But your assignment is to watch the very first one, which is very good. And then I would say the first one of the new trilogy called Jurassic World. That's no, a very good I don't one, think too. I've never seen Jurassic Park. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm not the only person out Have there. Have your kids? No. Yeah, you got to watch those two. Have you seen Top Gun yet? Which is the most important question. Top no, Gun no, Maverick. I have not. But that is not out of a lack of wanting. That okay. is just a busy, busy. So at of some life. point it will happen. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. I don't know how you have the patience. When a new movie comes out, I'm like in. Like I'm already going to see the new Buzz Lightyear movie like Thursday night. I cannot wait. There's some controversy over that one that they uh, that they didn't bring Tim Allen back for it. Ooh. But it's young. No, no, it's Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. Uh, yeah. Chris somebody. <laughs> but it's a young Buzz Lightyear. Why would you do Tim Allen? Tim Allen's the voice. Well, yeah, but he's like playing 30 years younger. I'm not suggesting they should have. I'm just yeah. saying there is, there's always controversy with everything and there's a little bit of controversy. You can't be one. mad about Chris Evans in anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy there that. All right, Brian, let's, uh, let's turn this to a more important topic besides going to the movies. In-person movies are in style. Yeah. Our in-person churches in style. All right. So let's be brutally honest for just a minute. You and I are both pastors. We've talked about the up and down attendance over the past several years. 
Where are you guys at right now at Four Corners Community Church, attendance-wise? It's it's growing. Yeah. And so I would say it's not anywhere close to, or I should say, it's a it's a uh, it's a fraction of what it was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. But I would say it is growing from what it was when we first reopened and started moving. And yeah. So, um, yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, I would say the same thing. Like, I feel like we're finally on an upswing. Summer attendance is always a little splotchy because people are, you know, traveling and what have you. But I would say we're, you know, there are a few weeks there, especially after like opening again that we and by opening, we were always meeting. But I mean, like full blown openings any morning. Um, uh, There were times when I was like, "Ooh, this feels fragile. I don't know. But slowly, like it does seem like people are returning. We got a crowd again. That definitely feels good for a pastor. That's going to be. Yeah, I know the summer attendance is so spotty. But obviously, we know. I mean, churches all around the country. We we talked about this just a few weeks ago with Willow Creek have had to let go of many of their staff members because of budget declines partly due to losing people and just a reality that churches are facing right now. Um, at Christianity Today, our friend Philip Yancey, he's been on the show before, very well-known author, mm-hmm. uh, Christian thinker. Uh, some of He has a new memoir out called Where the Light Fell. He talks about his own experience going to church and some of his frustrations with church. But ultimately what he says is that in-person church is never going to go out of style. Mm -hmm. And he talks about even though there are so many, you know, online options right now, in-person church is still kind of where true community happens. Here's what he says. He says, rather than providing an entertainment venue, the church's real task is to equip a community to serve others. That task becomes more challenging for those who no longer meet in person. He says, I've noticed that sharp divisions over politics tend to fade in the background when believers join together in acts of service. Indeed, a true community can begin to take mm. place. I think that's so interesting. So this idea of a sense of community versus an individualistic society, he says that's the real difference. Like when we come together, the church can be that true community. He also says, like, look, I like watching church on my couch on Sunday mornings. Like, that was pretty nice. But there's no replacement for being in church, seeing the church like a family, coming together on a Sunday morning and, uh, you know, worshiping, serving, et cetera. Um, What do you think about this? I think he's 100% right. In fact, you joked about it before, but I actually think you were onto something when you said uh, it's good to go back to in-person movies. Yeah. In person, everything is better. Mm. And, but the church, it's at a whole nother level, right? Yeah. It is meant, what this is really, this debate over the last two or three years has really gotten at is what's the nature of the church? What's the point of church? Right. And uh, as long as the point of church is just for my entertainment or just my, you know, getting a sermon Mm -hmm. or doing this, Mm -hmm. then yeah, sit on your couch and do that. But, but the nature of church is actually meant to be a a community, a family, a, a embodied gathering together where we spur one another on, right. we point one another to Jesus. And that just can only be done to a much diminished level if you're on your couch by yourself. It's, it's not so an, true. It, yeah, it's not yeah. an individualistic thing. Here's also the thing. I don't think this is actually a debate anymore. You don't. I, I don't know what you guys are seeing. Yeah. But it's not like we're seeing this influx of online stuff. Absolutely not. The people who are watching online have always been watching. Not always, but since the beginning mm-hmm. of COVID, and they're watching for very specific reasons. Yep. Now, occasionally, do we see somebody pop on? 
who uh, just stayed. Oh, sure. But yeah. for the most part, people have come back. I think the I big issue now is people have lost the value of church. I don't. Here's the thing, Aubrey. Mm. Let me put it bluntly. I'm not sure the issue for people is in-person church or do I watch in line? It's in-person church or do I just not go? Yeah, that's very interesting, Brian. I think you are probably really right about that. It's no longer, hey, I would just prefer to be online because of safety or because of preference, but it's do I value church at all? Yes. And to that person asking that question, like, do you have an answer? Uh, I, I do. With the, let me make this caveat. This might be way too honest. Okay, let's hear it. We like honest pastors. I think if I wasn't a pastor with the stage my family is at right now, I might have a hard time with a regular church. Yeah, attendance. there's some truth to that. And so I do understand the, um, uh, I do understand the barriers. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but with that said, I think apart, from, I think the church. Um, it blesses us. It, it, yeah. it gives us, it spurs us on. It uh, helps us understand who Jesus is. And then it's a community of people that we can be on mission with into the world. Um, I don't think, I, I, I don't think you can grow in your faith apart from a community of people. I think it's a yeah. communal event yeah. and that community is the church. Yeah, and so I, that's I, don't, good. I don't think you can be a, a, uh, a growing Christian apart from the church. Yeah, I don't. I actually agree with you. I don't think you can either. Here's here's something. Uh, Yancey also says we'll wrap up with this. He says church offers a place where infants and grandparents, unemployed and executive, immigrants and blue bloods can all assemble together. Where else can we find that unique mixture? Certainly not online. Not only that, but healthy congregations look beyond their walls to address the social needs around them. For all its flaws, the church still mobilizes workers to feed and shelter homeless people, adopt foster children, visit prisoners, and settle and resettle refugees. I think that's a really good word, uh, Yancey, calling us back to have a strong sense of community rather than um, the individualistic tendencies that we have. So get back to church. Go to church. If, if you haven't, I think you will find that it is invigorating for your soul. Okay, Brian, it is the end of the show. And at the end of every show, we love to bring you something encouraging, challenging, or something to put a smile on your face. Brian, I was at a very, like a hard news website. They take things very seriously. You might have heard of it. It's called BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> BuzzFeed uh, has... Uh, 34 things that people are saying that they incorporated into their lives, simple practices to make their lives more interesting or exciting. Okay. Now, now I will give a, I will give a warning here. It's from Buzzfeed. This is not a Christian site. There might be some things that we don't endorse from this list, but I thought it might be fun to talk about some ideas that people throw into their life to make them a little more exciting. Maybe, uh, things you and I could do to make our lives more exciting. Some of these, I'm reading the list. Some of these are deep and some of these are super shallow. Okay. We're going to be all over the board. Okay. We're going to be all over the place. Okay. So first of all, maybe before we dive into the list, do you ever feel the need to make your life more exciting? Like you're like, oh, I need to do something to be less bored or quotidian or what have you. That's a great question. Um, on occasion, every yeah. now and then I'll go, wow, we're in a rut. Yeah. But usually things feel so busy. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to like yes. rethink through something yes. energizing. Yeah, absolutely. I know, me too. That's kind of why I like this list because some of them are very simple. Okay, here's one. 
matching music to the meal you're having. So this person says if it's like uh, they're making Italian, they'll listen to Italian opera. If they're making Swedish meatballs, they play Ava. I will sometimes ask Alexa to play, like play some Italian cooking music when I'm cooking because it just like livens things up a little bit, even if it's not Italian food. That's kind of a fun thing to do. All right. Number two. Uh, read a good book. Yep. I think that stands for itself, right? And like, what book should they read, Ryan? Uh, probably some, you know, John Grisham. Nope, nope, um, nope, nope. The Bible? Nope, nope. Nope? Did nope. you nope the Bible? Not even the Bible. You nope the Bible? <laughs> All right, then we'll give them your books. What are, where can they find your books? Thank Gnome, you. Louder Song? Where Thank you. Get? You can buy all of my books at uh, Amazon.com or on my website, AubreySampson.com. And yes, you should read the Bible. Nope. I was just kidding about You're, that. You, no, you were not. <laughs> all right, reading a good book. Okay, this one's a little shallow. I'm going to read the next couple. Energy drinks? Mm-hmm. I guess that would make your life more energetic. I've never had an energy I drink. I haven't either. I'm a little scared, too. I don't need to be more caffeinated <laughs> than I am. I like this one. Go Going MIA for a couple hours. Sometimes this person says, I like being MIA for a couple hours. Nobody knows where I am. I might be at the fleet market. I might be on a paddleboard in the middle of the lake. I might be at the local yarn shop. I usually don't know where I'm going, but I drop out for a few hours and I'm never disappointed. I think that one's kind of good. You might have to tell your spouse. So the BuzzFeed might be, um, its focus might be on people without kids. Okay, yeah, that's fair, because you can't really just As check I out from having list. kids. Like, if yeah. I told my wife, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to do? a yarn shop? You know what I'm going to do to make my life, make my life more um, exciting is I'm going MIA. <laughs> She'd be like, Mm-mm. Turning my phone off. You might nope. find me in a paddleboard on the lake. <laughs> I think she'd be like, how about you go pick the kids up? <laughs> right. How about you make dinner tonight exactly. instead? Yeah, exactly. that's true. This might be for people without kids or the kids. Like, I feel like our teenagers would be like, yeah, I'm going MIA. I don't want my kids going right. MIA for sure. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, lighting candles within your home. I do feel like that adds a nice ambiance. If you don't have children. Uh, okay. Here's a funny one. Sneaking fun outfits under work formals. Work has a very formal and boring dress code, suit, jacket, etc. So I sneak bright colored layers underneath and I hide that's them funny. all day. It brings me joy. That's See, that's a certain type of person. Yeah, right I like there. that. I like that. I don't really work in places that require right. uh, very formal wear, right. but I could see that. Yeah, you sneak a little something under there. Do what, you, what, what do you think of number eight? Get a new pet. No, that does not seem exciting. That feels stressful to me. I cannot. I don't think I ever want a pet. You need a pet. I, I know, know. I know there's reasons yeah, you can't, we have, can't have a pet. Pets. Yeah, you get like a turtle? We have a lizard, actually. His name is Ginkgo. I don't like him. He smells bad. I make my kids touch him. And a lizard's not really a pet. Yeah. I, sometimes I think a hedgehog. I We have some friends that have a hedgehog, and I don't think our son would be allergic to it. And it is pretty cute. We had two bunnies once. You did? Yes. Yeah, I don't. I think my son might be allergic to bunnies, too. So this is, yeah, we're kind of stuck in, the, stuck in the kids' department. Okay, eating breakfast for dinner. That's always a win. Okay. I feel like breakfast for dinner is always... Can I tell you a story? Please. This might take us off track, but it has let's everything it. to do with eating breakfast All for right, dinner. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, one, of Car- one of the first times in our marriage that I hurt uh, my wife. Oh, wait. I know the story, but tell it. Keep going. Is eating breakfast for dinner. So yeah, because something happened. We were just got back from our honeymoon. So yeah. we are as newlywed as you can be. <laughs> we just got back from our honeymoon, and... I w- she wasn't she hadn't started work yet. So okay. I go off to work. You know, yeah. We were like the 1950s family. I'm right. In the Bye, honey. Like we're the ma- we're doing marriage now. Right. Right. The way you're quote unquote supposed to do marriage. So yes. I go to work. That serious job as a youth pastor that I had at the time. Yes. Yes. She's putting the apartment together. We literally it's our first day back. Yeah. From our honeymoon. Uh, and she is like, I'm going to make my new husband dinner. 
Like Aww, he's gonna come home very and we're sweet. gonna have dinner. I come home and there are Uh-oh. there's French toast, there's oh, sausage, there's oh. a big breakfast for dinner spread, and I immediately said, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> you did not. Because here's the deal: you did uh, not. At that point, I was 22. Yeah, uh, I did not grow up in a breakfast for dinner. Family. Your mom didn't mess around with breakfast. We for did dinner. not do okay. breakfast for dinner. Wow, we did breakfast for breakfast. Yeah. Okay. So, no. No. Uh, no. Like winsome dinners over uh, at the from house. So 22-year-old Brian could have used a lot more sensitivity. Wow. In that moment. And I did apologize. Wow. And here's the funny thing. I now enjoy breakfast for yeah, dinner. Yeah, breakfast for dinner is like the greatest gift of all. I really do enjoy it. But at that moment, as a newlywed... That was a big fight. Uh, it wasn't a fight as much as a wound. And it yeah, was, your fight, wife was crying. A fight usually implies <laughs> that there are two people who have different opinions and right. what and you could see both angles. I was just you in were the just wrong. in the wrong. I was the jerk, just... and I apologized. <laughs> you want to know? If I have a funny story that's kind of similar. It's not about breakfast for dinner, but like making one of our first dinners. So I, I had, you know, I we were just married in our first apartment. I got this new cookbook. I found this like bacon stuffed pork chop, and I was like, Ooh. I'm gonna like show my new husband some love by making this incredible dinner. So I like, you know, did the whole thing. It took so long to prepare. I'd never made anything like that in my life. And um, I was like, babe, I'm so excited. I made you this really special dinner. And he was like, oh, I made plans tonight with some of my friends. And I was like, okay, well, could you change the plans? And he was like, well, I don't really want to. No, he didn't. <laughs> I swear. So he went out with his friends and I ate the dinner by myself and cried and cried and cried. And that was one of our friends. One of our first I fights. usually pro Kevin in your conversation. That is, <laughs> see, that's what those of us who got married young, really young. Yes, that's where it comes back to bite us. He was, still, he was still college. He Kevin. was. He was twenty two, and he, he wants was, to hang out with his college buds. He was, he was college Kevin. He was li- uh, living with a girl. Yeah, that's hundred <laughs> percent. I feel like it took us a long time to realize, like, oh, we're married now. We yes, should probably yes. act like oh, it. That's really funny. Yep. So uh, going back to. Breakfast for dinner might be a good idea, might not be a good idea. Yep. Okay, plan trips. I think that's another one. Go shopping. Yes, uh, if you have the budget, go for it. Pay attention to the small things. We did that one already before. Switch up your routine. Take advantage of inexpensive activities. Try out new recipes. Get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Pick some creative hobbies. Play some board games. This is a good list. I like this as a last one. Pretending like you're in a music video i do like that yeah that that's a good one that can make your life more exciting all right well let us know if you have any ways that you make your life more exciting you can let us know on our social media at common good talk and thanks so much for joining us today we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m for brian from i'm aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.